1: Welcome to the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast, powered by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code RotoWire when you deposit for a free contest entry today. It's Thursday, August 20th. I'm Clay Link, joined as always by Jake Letarski, who you can follow on Twitter at Jakesky52. I'm at Clay W Link. This podcast is now available for subscription on iTunes and Stitcher. So please leave us a nice review if you happen to be listening on those platforms. Jake, just two preseason games on the slate tonight. We'll be previewing uh, the DraftKings contest for tonight a little bit later, uh, but not a ton of options to choose from. Uh, I want to start with a, a Twitter question we received. Uh, I got it from a, a guy named Ty, who I, I'm in a fantasy baseball league with. I haven't really played much fantasy football with him, but he threw out a really interesting uh, idea that I, I just wanted to touch on a little bit. Because, you know, we've, we've talked so much about the, the zero RB strategy and you know wondering if we should deploy that he he doesn't like that he, he wants to know what we think of uh, a zero wide receiver approach and you know I've been doing a lot of mocks and some paid public leagues and it seems like a lot of people are really doing doing this approach I think it's because uh, the perceived scarcity at at the running back position this year and Uh, Just for an example, in in one of these paid public leagues I'm in, PPR, and in the top five picks were Le'Veon Bell, Adrian Peterson, Jamal Charles, Eddie Lacy, then Antonio Brown. And the ones I've done where I picked first, or I've done two of those, I picked Brown, uh, and then I I stacked up on a couple other receivers at the turn. But uh, what what do you think of that strategy? I mean, if you're doing the punt wide receiver
2: strategy, zero wide receivers, whatever you want to call it, you're really – it's, it's it's risky, in my opinion. It's a very high-risk, high-reward move because, in my opinion, you look at picks or positions 1 through 10 in the running backs and 1 through 10 in the receivers. And 1 through 10 in the receivers, I mean, if you get any of those guys, I mean, even 8, 9, 10 in the receivers, we're looking at A.J. Green, Randall Cobb, Sean Jeffrey, T.Y. Hilton, all those guys, I think, are very relatively safe picks. Now, if you go through the back end of the top 10 in the running back position, it's those guys... Aren't really that well established. So, if you're going to, I don't know, in in my opinion, I'd like to maybe not necessarily play it safe with the early picks, but I I mean, getting those receivers gets you a solid foundation, in my opinion. They're a little bit less likely. I don't know if there's numbers to back this up or not, but I feel like they're a little bit less likely to suffer after years and years of wear and tear. Uh, Maybe the ACL injury is a little bit less common. So, I feel like getting a guy like Antonio Brown or I don't know, Jordy Nelson, um, Calvin Johnson, uh, a lot of players, Odell Beckham even. like That just gives you a safe foundation for your team. And for me, it's a lot easier just to pick the kind of sleeper and backup running backs later in the rounds where it's a little bit harder to identify wide receivers in those roles. But we'll go ahead and try to identify a couple for you guys that do want to employ this strategy.
1: Yeah, you know, I think it's very interesting. And something that I'm, the more and more I think about it, the more and more I'm coming around to the zero wideout kind of approach. And, of course, you're not, you know, completely punting because you're going to have to get some of these guys. But I just wonder if the gap between those, you know, the top 15 wideouts and then the next 25 is as wide as it is with the running backs uh, from 15, one through 15, and then beyond. It's just, you know, there's so many – there's so many wideouts. It seems like the the position is very deep. Mm-hmm. Uh, the elite guys are, of course, I mean, some of those guys you mentioned, of course, you know, so so consistent, so safe uh, that I'm with you. Taking one of those guys is certainly justifiable, but, you know, you get you get after maybe Calvin, and you get to like Mike Evans, Alshon Jeffrey, as much as I like those guys, I wonder if you'd be better off taking a guy like C.J. Anderson or Matt Forte. Uh, I know we talked last week about Forte, and you're not, super high on him this year and I, I see where you're coming from but Anderson's a guy that I'm coming around to uh and, and Jeremy Hill I mean I've seen Anderson go in the first round pretty much every mock and paid public league that I've done uh and Jeremy Hill even in you know PPR I feel like uh you get that kind of elite back and then you can uh you know scour wide receivers and you know even if you get I don't know maybe say you get Martavis Bryant uh Jeremy Macklin as your as your wide receiver too, I think you're in really good shape. Macklin's stock seems to be uh plummeting and you know, I I, I talked with D V R earlier in the week about you know, are we downgrading him enough now from what I've seen in, in drafts? I feel like we're downgrading him too much. Yeah, I
2: would absolutely agree with that. I mean, right now you're Macklin sitting in NFFC leagues. He's in 26th wide receiver taken on the board. So he's just ahead of Deshaun Jackson and Martavis Bryant, just behind Brandon Marshall and Jarvis Landry. Now, I mean, Macklin to me is... He's an impact-wide receiver. I mean, the year he had last year was, I'll admit, and I'll concede that a lot of that was part of the system there. I mean, with that fast-paced offense, that means everybody gets more plays. There's more targets to go around, uh, all of that there. And, I mean – I don't think Macklin gets 143 targets this year yeah. like he did last year. I mean, he was even targeted 122 times in 2012 before he suffered that knee injury. So I don't think he quite gets to 143 targets. But at the same time, he's really one of the scariest wideout options they have there in Kansas City. Oh, and for sure. and if he can get open, I think I think opposing defense are going to probably try to key on that run game. I think Travis Kelsey running underneath routes is going to draw some attention away from Macklin. I just I don't think he should be as downgraded as much as everyone thinks. And I, I sometimes mention that we did the composite PPR rankings uh, with uh, a lot of the other NFL experts here on RotoWire, wire And I looked and as recently as the other day, I was the highest on Macklin out of anyone. And, yeah. and who knows? Uh, I mean, he's up there. I don't know if I quite give him like top 50 overall player just yet, but I mean, you can most definitely make a case for him being I don't know if you want he's not a safe wide receiver one, but if you are punting receivers in the first four or five rounds, you go ahead and grab yourself an Aaron Rodgers and maybe a couple running backs and a tight end, see if you can latch on to Greg Olson, who I like a lot even more this year with the recent Calvin Benjamin news. Then you're sitting at, you know, rounds five, six, seven, and you know, Macklin's gonna be there and and I've got him actually I do have him as a top fifty player in my uh, overall PPR rankings. So I have him Right on board, kind of even with like a like a Golden Tate and Brandon Cooks, and maybe that's a little bit too high. But at the same time, I think with where he's falling in drafts, you can absolutely profit off of this. Yeah,
1: you know, of course there are the, the big concerns in Kansas City about them just not throwing to their wide receivers much, uh the lack of touchdowns. But I think Macklin's a pretty safe bet for you know 110 plus targets. I mean, he's going to have the ball thrown his way a ton a ton of talent as well, and I just feel like, you know, he he's a guy who's continuously fallen to me over and over, and I've even passed on him, and then he's fallen even further to me in the, in the next round. So I feel like uh, ideally not your wide receiver one, probably, you know, your wide receiver two, but I think he's a really good wide receiver two, uh, especially if you do take this approach. And the other thing that I think is important when considering this, uh, you know, zero wide receiver strategy is that, you know, after you get past the first – you know, even twenty five or so running backs, you're really drawn drawn at straws. You know, you're really just taking flyers on guys who you hope pan out. I think a lot of these wideouts after uh, even after the top thirty are, are pretty good bets. I mean and have a significant upside. I mean you're talking about Allen Robinson, Devin Funchess. I mean you mentioned with Kelvin going down, he should see quite a bit of looks. Uh, Nelson Aguilar, who with the yep. Phillies, his stock is rising, but I think he makes A really, really good uh, option. Amari Cooper, of course, as well. Uh, And then Devontae Adams, who, you know, kind of a lottery ticket, but even if he does stick in that number three role the entire year, uh, I could see him being a wide receiver three top 30 wideout when it's all said and done.
2: Yeah, I mean, Devontae Adams is another person that you can profit a whole lot out of, and he's the 45th receiver taken in terms of ADP. So he's right around guys like Pierre Garçon, Steve Smith, Marquez Colston, John Brown, Rashad Perriman, dealing with knee injuries. So his stock's probably falling. But just out of that group, anybody five ahead or five behind, I'm jumping over Devontae Adams uh, pretty much for all of those guys because somebody's going to need to get open – In the Packers uh, scheme, you can't defensively scheme to stop Eddie Lacy, Jordan Nelson, Randall Cobb and Devontae Adams. Very few defenses outside of maybe the Seahawks have that kind of firepower to really shut something like that down. So I think he's going to get his fair share of targets underneath. Because if you're an opposing defensive coordinator, you got to think, okay, I'm not going to let Jordy Nelson beat us over the top. I'm not going to let Randall Cobb have 12 catches a game underneath. And I don't certainly don't want Eddie Lacy running for 150 yards because that's going to be a big problem. And I think just based on that, Devontae gets a lot of touches in that. Kind of like, I mean, I mean he had that drop against New England last year, but I, I think of that New England game when they used their their two cornerbacks to wrap up the top guys, and then Matt, er, and then uh, Devontae Adams got a lot of look underneath. And uh, one last thing I want to mention, you, you said the name Nelson Aguilar, who I'm starting to grow on him quite yeah, a bit too. as the season gets a lot closer. And, you know, I talk about this all the time with the Eagles and their pace. Aguilar is going to get a ton more plays on the field. His snap count is going to be one of the highest out of any wide receiver just because of the the system there, essentially. Mm-hmm. So just having the opportunities there is going, even if the efficiency isn't great, he should be a reasonable PPR option and potentially a deep thread as well we'll see how that goes as the season goes along but Nelson Aguilar sitting at 34 in terms of ADP I do like Alan among Robinson wide outs, yeah, right? among, yeah among yeah among wideouts yes thanks for uh, clarifying there but yeah. there's I mean if you built a three wide receiver strategy uh around Jeremy Macklin Aguilar and Devonte Adams and eh, and then you, you had like
1: Peterson and yeah, yeah. And if you had CJ Anderson, CJ yeah.
2: Anderson, maybe getting Big Ben up there with a great Jeremy like, Hill. I mean, that's I yeah, yeah. Jeremy Hill too. I mean, that's that's a very very formidable squad. So yeah. I think the strategy has potential to pay off but for me I'm always drafting based on value and I don't I very rarely will go into a draft thinking okay I'm gonna punt receivers in this one or I'm gonna punt running backs in this one I want to have that rigid approach exactly because you need to be flexible on draft day no matter what so just kind of seeing how the how the dominoes fall and, and then maybe after the first couple rounds you can kind of map up a better strategy but I think it's a viable option if done right, uh, but again, it's to me, it's just in my opinion, a little bit more risky because I like having those established guys on my team that are a lock for twenty points every week.
1: Yeah, you know, I do. Uh, I think if I were to take this approach, I'd want that you know wide receiver one, you know, ODB Calvin. I mean, any of those top guys, and then pair them up with two of these lower level guys. Uh, so not completely punning it, but. At the same time, there's just so many guys I like in this, you know, lower tier. I mean, mentioned a lot of those other guys. Uh, also, John Brown. really like John Brown. I know Eric Katuri said that he could be like T.Y. Hill. I mean, yeah. maybe not this year, but, I mean, he's got that talent. With so quick. With a healthy Carson Palmer, for sure. Exactly. I mean, so many other guys, too. I mean, Aguilar, you mentioned, uh, you know, Mar- uh, Marcus Wheaton I even like. As an option, not a, a, you know super high end, but going down even further, uh, Doriel Green Beckham. I mean, somebody's gonna get, got to get the ball there in Tennessee. Uh, a lot to like, and I, f- I feel like you know if we're talking about the fortieth ranked uh, running back compared to the you know fortieth uh, around the fortieth ranked wideout in, in John Brown, I'd much rather have Brown or Aguilar or Devontae Adams. A lot of these guys over over those those lottery ticket backs and just while we're on the you know, been talking about Aguilar, uh was looking at uh, Mel Kuyper Jr.'s latest piece on on ESPN insider, looking at his top NFL rookies for this season and he has Aguilar uh number three, only behind Melvin Gordon, Amari Cooper, ahead of guys like Todd Gurley, TJ Yeldon. Uh, I also like Devontae Parker quite a bit too. He's number seven on this list. Phil Dorsett number six. Uh, what do you think about that spot for Aguilar? I mean, three overall. I like that.
2: Uh, I like it quite a bit, actually. I almost am higher on Aguilar than I am Amari Cooper, just because of the system, <laughs> and that I think it's maybe a little bit safer bet. And I know I'm gonna. A lot of people are gonna contradict that, but for me personally, I. I maybe it's because I fell into the Sammy Watkins trap last year and he underperformed uh-huh. a little bit and I'm not so high on grabbing that number one taken overall receiver just because they kind of end up on a lesser team and, and maybe don't have the same offensive firepower at the very least the chemistry. But I, I mean, Nelson Aguilar, I, I feel like it's a, with Philadelphia more than anything, it's a I say this all the time, but it's, it's just the system that you can kind of plug, plug in players, pull out players. And it doesn't matter. That's a Chip Kelly philosophy. And I, I, absolutely by an Aguilar as a top five rookie I think he's got a decent chance for rookie of the year candidate I mean I think the only reason he's ahead of Gurley is because Gurley will probably miss the first couple games and they might ease him back and of course ahead of Yeldon because he's a Jaguar and the backfield's very crowded but uh, on top of that I think he's one of the top rookies that you can target this year and like I said you know hopefully you don't get at me too hard but I ah, just a little bit higher than than Cooper for me for me personally but
1: yeah, I see. I see that. I, I lean slightly towards Cooper. But I think it is very close. I just think Cooper, uh, such a good bet for ton of looks. I mean, they're going to be throwing his way constantly. Uh, so I, you know, I, I favor him slightly. But I think Aguilar, I mean, ton to like in that system. Uh, I'm completely with you. A lot of fantasy drafts coming up. If you've been drinking at yours. Get a ride, call a cab, or find some other safe way home because getting arrested for drunk driving can cost you a lot more than an arrest and a fine. You could face legal fees, court costs, the loss of your li- the loss of your license, and more. Right now, cops all across the country are cracking down on drunk driving, and they'll see you before you see them. Drive sober or get pulled over. Jake, we uh, it's time for a safe sleeper pick sponsored by Drive Sober or Get Pulled Over. A handful of us will be downing beers at our draft again. Uh, leads to bad decision or worse. Uh, like getting behind the wheels—the the worst of the worst decisions. But uh, you know, making the wrong pick, especially in the early rounds, can really, uh, really be bad as well. Do you have a safe pick? Uh, if we're talking about these, this zero wideout pick, uh, a second tier t- uh, or third tier type of wideout that you feel is really safe? I mean, I know Nick and
2: Mike touched on this a little bit yesterday, but I don't think you can look past Devin Funchess of the Panthers Mm -hmm. and it's going to be tough to call him a sleeper anymore but I mean heading into today based on all the drafts that have gone on before today he's the 65th receiver taken overall and of course that's going to shoot way up it depends we'll see what Carolina does in the in the free agent market there of course to uh, combat the loss of Calvin Benjamin who dealt with a torn ACL but I, I mean Funchess he's a name that should be known I think he's got—he's uh, kind of got that big body. A lot of people were thinking he might even have tight end eligibility in some formats. I think that thought may have possibly p- passed, but you know, looking at guys like Philly Brown and, and Ted Ginn, not really—I guess not really the biggest bodies—and. And, and targets as Funtress, who's 6'4 and 232 pounds. So I yeah. think he'll be an excellent red zone option. Maybe not a burner down the field like some of those other guys, but a good possession receiver. And, and rookie receivers are tough. They're hit or miss a lot. Of course, we had some good luck with guys like Mike Evans last year, but who knows? Devin Funtress could be the guy. And, of course, uh uh, we'll touch on him a little bit later on in the news portion. Probably not a safe play for DraftKings preseason this Saturday. He's dealing with a hamstring injury, but good to see him get that sorted out in the preseason before the games really matter. As I think he'll eventually grow into one of the top targets and is a
1: solid sleeper. I like Allen Robinson. I mentioned him a bit earlier. Uh, you know, I just feel like if you are taking that zero wideout approach, you know, he makes for you know a low end wide receiver too. But I think he. He could end up returning that that type of value, you know, solid wide receiver two type of value. PPR, don't love him as much. I mean, we have him projected for only 68 receptions, but I think he should, uh, you know, he's got the big playability. He's got potential to score a lot of touchdowns, and I think he will see uh, probably more targets than we have him projected for. I mean, it's a situation where, you know, especially uh, given the lack of options there. Allen Robinson in Jacksonville should see the ball thrown his way quite a bit. We'll get into the big news of the day here. Uh, Of course, the Kelvin Benjamin news last night was the biggest news of the week, but DeMarco Murray said he feels good about playing Saturday against Baltimore, but isn't 100% sure just yet, has the questionable tag. Uh, So are you going to avoid him on all DraftKings contests, and do you have any concern uh, after, you know, He finally stayed healthy last year that this is uh, an ominous sign for Murray.
2: It's a bit concerning, but it's not going to really change my outlook in season-long formats just yet. Of course, if you're playing on DraftKings and doing these preseason contests, the biggest thing is snaps minutes playing time, and if there's any even question mark that's out there, I'm going to avoid Murray, even if he does get in one series. I mean, Philadelphia's got plenty of depth at running back, and they'll be able to trot out some other guys there to not put Murray at risk that'd be probably one of the silliest things they can do especially considering how fast they move so absolutely avoiding him on on DraftKings plays for the evening
1: yeah same and you know no reason to feel like this is something that could linger into the regular season but uh just kind of a kind of a sobering reminder just you know because after that career year uh, I do have some hesitations about him and uh yeah, I ended up taking him in a standard league over a guy like Jeremy Hill, but I think that's uh, very close. And you know, I'm almost starting to feel like I'd almost rather have Hill, even if he is kind of a, a true two down back. What would you say?
2: Oh man, Jer- Jeremy Hill or Demarco Murray? I mean, I think and- I, I don't know if I'd
1: have the stones to go Hill, but I feel like it's uh, it's pretty close.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's getting closer for me. That's a really tough call. I'm, I'm going to lean. Uh, I'm going to lean towards towards Murray just a little bit. Uh, I think he's still got plenty. Uh, it's tough. He did get used quite a bit last year, so that even that brings up uh, some worries for me. I, I guess Hill's upside might be a little bit more. The only thing in Philadelphia that, that worries me a little bit is them going ahead and, and jumping out there to sign Ryan Matthews and Darren Sproles is on that team as well. So there's other guys that Murray will be rotating with, even if he is getting more plays in that offense. And I think... I mean, last year, Jeremy Hill pretty much established himself as the guy over Giovanni Bernard, and there's, and there's very little doubt about that. So, oh, man, that it's a lot closer than people think, and the fact that we're even talking about this is should be an eye-opener for people out there. But, mm-hmm. again, I'm with you. I, I think I'm leaning Murray in this one.
1: I just feel like they're going to run it so much there in Philadelphia. Big injury concerns, and, and, of course, they have Ryan Matthews there as well to help ease the burden, but... uh I just feel like this team, you know, they they ran it a lot, but I think we could see this more as kind of like the, the 2013 version of this team where they just uh, run the ball down the throat. And we, we see that, the, you know, I think that the pace of play obviously is going to be very high, but I've, I don't know if they're going to really be slinging it all across the field as much as people think. I still like Aguilar, but uh, I, I feel like maybe they'll scale the, the passing back slightly and just – I'll run it down people's throats. But moving on, Sammy Watkins has a tight glute muscle, not expected expected to play Thursday against the Browns. If we're looking at the DFS slate for tonight, does this open things up for any other Buffalo wideouts? Now, I was looking
2: at the box score from last week, and not a single Buffalo wideout got more than four targets the entire game. Deontay Thompson led the team with four targets, and he ended up snagging two catches for 61 yards and scored the team's only touchdown there. However... If I had to pick somebody to throw in my DraftKings lineup tonight, uh, based on this whole whole strategy here, I would probably go Marquise Goodwin. He had the second most, or was tied for the second most targets uh, with Bryce Brown, actually, and only caught one pass for 29 yards. But, I mean, this Buffalo passing game, not a whole lot's going on, uh, to be honest with you here. And without Sammy Watkins, it's tough. I mean, he was only targeted one time, caught the one pass for six yards, but... Uh, if I had to pick someone, I think I'd go Marquise Goodwin, but I'm not super optimistic about it, and I'm looking maybe elsewhere for wide receivers this evening.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I was thinking I, I kind of like Tyrod Taylor as a QB option, but the more I think about it, yeah, yeah, I just don't know how much they're going to be passing it. And, mm-hmm. um,
2: and he's got to come after Castle and Manuel,
1: right? I would think so, even though recent reports have suggested he may be uh making up some ground on those guys. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Uh, I also like kinda like Charles Clay in this one. I mean, it just so hard to know, especially in preseason, how much these guys are are actually gonna play. Uh but I'm with you. You know, I think Goodwin is probably the best bet because all the other guys, Watkins, Percy Harvin, Robert Woods, Chris Hogan, even Marcus Easley, all all a little banged up right now. So Goodwin's the only guy you can really bank on uh health wise. Now, for the Falcons, Devontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman, both game-time decisions for Friday's preseason matchup with the Jets. You know, these are two guys that, you know, I've heard some people say they're going to be avoiding the Falcons running game altogether. Me, myself included. (laughs) You know, I I would—I see that, and it's hard to know, especially given where these guys are going. They're, They're definitely risky picks. I like Tevin Coleman, of course, in standard leagues, but in PPR, are you on Freeman's side if you're choosing between these two?
2: Yeah, maybe slightly. I, you know, we should eventually down the road here do an episode on not undraftable players, but players that we won't be owning this year because I think those guys could possibly make the list. There's just, I mean, Devonte Freeman didn't really—he was a very popular sleeper last year, especially if you're going with that punt running back approach. Never really panned out, and now's his chance this year. But the fact that they took. Uh, coleman with a relatively early pick doesn't really uh bode too well for me and who knows what happens with these guys it's only the second week of the preseason so no reason to really force them out there going down the depth chart maybe antoine smith um and then after that you're looking at like jerome smith Terran ward guys that are probably struggling to even make the roster in the first place but if it comes down to it in ppr man i'm having a tough spot i'm gonna look at adp real quick Freeman sitting at 33 among running backs and Coleman sitting at 31 so Coleman's actually got the slight edge I'd say but I think PPR is enough to put well you'd think it'd be enough to put Freeman over Coleman but at the same time these are uh NFFC PPR leagues and and it still has Coleman going first but regardless if you're taking one of these guys I don't think you can even really depend on them as a wide or as a running back too until you maybe see some action or maybe some more clarity happens throughout the preseason and they got to get healthy first to do that.
1: That's true. You know, I, uh, Mel Kuyper in that article did make a good point that you know Kyle Shanahan's going to run the ball a lot, and I think, mm-hmm. uh, I think Coleman makes for a really good, really good target in standard leagues. But again, the the price is creeping up significantly, and I don't know if he's quite worth that. And Devontae Freeman, you know, even in PPR, you know, according to our cheat Sheets and our apps, the guy to get of the two in PPR, uh, but he's falling significantly farther than Coleman. And most of the, the drafts I've done PPR mocks and paid public leagues. Uh, I think he could make for a decent value there just because I feel like he will get quite a bit of looks in the passing game. Football season is just a few weeks away at draftkings.com. Draftkings.com is America's favorite one week fantasy football site where you could win enormous cash prizes every week. Last season, Eight players won a million dollars in one day just playing fantasy football. Don't just dominate your season-long leagues in 2015, but also play one-week fantasy at DraftKings.com. Head over to DraftKings.com now. Enter the promo code ROTOWIRE for free entry. DraftKings.com. Bigger events, bigger winnings, bigger millionaires. Enter ROTOWIRE for free entry now at DraftKings.com. Before we get to uh, a preview of the Thursday DraftKings slate, just a couple other news items. Uh, to get to, mostly bookkeeping here. Devin Funches in line for a bigger role, but won't play Saturday. He's got a hamstring issue. Uh, Marquise Lee for the Jags uh, has a hamstring issue as well. Set to miss at least another two weeks. And Melvin Gordon returned to practice. He's got that ankle injury, but uh, are we in the clear with with Melvin, do you think, Jake? I haven't seen
2: too much to indicate otherwise. I think uh, I'm sticking with where he's at right now in terms of uh, ADP actually sitting right around the Justin Forsett, Frank Gore, Lamar Miller territory. I put Gordon above all those guys, probably just behind the Jeremy Hill, Shady McCoy, CJ Anderson group. I've I've got a lot of confidence in what he can do this year for that Chargers team.
1: A lot of concerns coming out about his issues in pass protection. And of course Danny Woodhead is a guy who's good in pass protection and very good at catching the ball as well. So you know, concerns about how much Gordon's actually going to play if he's at risk of, of losing playing time, but I take it you're not all that concerned. You think he's uh, eventually going to get up to speed in terms of pass protection? Mm-hmm. I,
2: I, I fully believe it. I think he can handle it. Uh, if anything, Danny Woodhead, as he's done quite a bit in his career, could serve as a third down back. Yeah. And even, but even then, if, if Melvin Gordon's playing first and second downs, which I assume will happen i guess you know i would like to see another couple more preseason games before really making a definitive call on that but yeah woodhead takes some of those third third down backs i think he's he might be a safe sleeper to discuss at one point down the road just in case the tides turn there. But as as far as things stand now, uh, hopefully I'm not being too badger friendly here, but uh, I think uh, I like Gordon as a top 15, top 20 back at the very least. I mean, Melvin Gordon went for, I think, $41 at the stake league auction last week. So uh, I'm not the only one. There's a lot of folks that are really high on this guy this year.
1: Yeah, Derek uh, Van Riper, I thought, made a really good point on Monday's show. Was doing it with him and uh, at Wisconsin, Gordon. You know, the really was hidden. uh, You know, as far as the pass protection goes, just didn't have to. You know, that aspect of his game just wasn't important because they weren't running it a lot. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, of course he's got a ton of talent. I think eventually, and probably well before the season even, he's he's going to correct those issues. He's going to put in the time, and eventually, uh, I feel like he will be an every-down back. Maybe not this year. And thus, I do think Woodhead makes for a pretty nice target in PPR, just given how, how far down he is uh, in, in ADP right now. But uh, Detroit at Washington tonight, Buffalo at Cleveland. Same rules on DraftKings as last week, Jake. Everyone at the same price, 5500 So effectively uh, a pick them there. At quarterback tonight, uh, who do you got? Do you think the starters are worth considering, given that they'll probably be playing uh, a fair amount more than last week? I mean, there's a chance to give these guys uh, more than a drive or two, but who
2: I really like a player with a lot to prove. And again, we're talking preseason here. Once we get to the regular season, I probably won't say his name again. But why not roll the dice on Johnny Manziel, the Browns, this evening? I mean, Josh McCown looked excellent in, in his very first series last week uh, against, or in, in last week's game. And who knows if they do that again? Maybe I, I don't know. I think McCown will get more than just one series, but at the same time. I, I think Manziel will end up with roughly a half of play. And if he can turn that into production, I mean, he wasn't the, he wasn't a superstar by any means in the preseason week one, but shake the rust off, get a little bit more under your belt there. And, and, and there you go, Johnny Manziel. And you can't forget about the rushing yards and how that might have an effect on DraftKings. And Manziel was pretty efficient. I mean, not, yards for attempt wise, not so much, but seven for 11. And, uh, actually ended up leading the team in rushing in their first preseason and scored a rushing touchdown. So in the end, he's right up there with a guy like, I mean, that point total is almost the same as someone like Jimmy Clausen from last week and or Jimmy Garoppolo who had 150, 170 yards passing but no touchdowns, so the point total is going to even out the same. And I, I like Manziel, it's really tough to find a receiver to pair him up with uh, but but overall, if you're looking for a quarterback that's going to get some minutes on the field, uh, I think there's a pretty solid bet there. And if you need all those Johnny Manziel fans that are still left over, I know they've been dwindling a lot since the bandwagon slowed down there. But if you still want something to cheer for him for, I think why not go ahead and play him on DraftKings tonight and maybe you can yeah. maybe you can wave the money signs.
1: Yeah, exactly. He's not doing it anymore, but that doesn't mean you can't. Exactly. Um, well, I like that as well. Definitely think uh, you're right. He has a lot to prove and. Somebody that should get a lot of playing time. Needs that needs those reps as as, as many as possible. I like R G three in this one. Uh now you look at the stats from last week, not very impressive. Four for eight, thirty six yards, one carry for three yards, but he did have that uh he should've had a touchdown. I mean the bad drop by Pierre Garcon on a, what would have been a sixty one yard score. Uh would have would have walked in untouched. Uh, you know, not a ton of receiving options on this team either, but I feel like RG three will be playing quite a bit more. And uh, if if he's able to connect on even one of those touchdowns, add you know, give you twenty or so yards on the ground, should return pretty nice value. The only drawback, I think, with both of those guys is high ownership. Would you agree?
2: Yeah, I think when you see those names, people who are looking down the list, those are going to be the names that people recognize. Mm-hmm the most, especially RG3 and maybe Stafford as well, but again, you're you're looking for minutes, you're looking for playing time right here, and of course I think RG3 needs the tune-up just as much as anybody else, but at the same time uh, yeah, you will be battling high ownership in there just, just <laughs> because everyone knows who he is that's going to be playing. If you're interested enough to play preseason, that's probably one of the first names that's going to jump out at you.
1: Yeah, I guess with only two games on the slate, there's going to be a lot of high ownership for a lot of these guys, but uh, if we move on to running backs who who jumps out to you i mean we got duke johnson but he's uh you know dealing with a hamstring injury not sure uh if he's going to play or even at all i mean or you know play and or be effective whatsoever uh you also got amir abdullah after after his big game last week and a guy like alfred morris who did a lot of the heavy lifting uh, on the ground for washington who, who jumps out to you uh, among the list of players
2: well, first off, as the Browns beat writer, uh, who's someone who watches the Browns, I'm staying away from that backfield entirely tonight. Not a single Browns back got more than five carries or more than ten yards in the first in the first preseason game. So I, I, I'd stay away from that altogether. But if you're looking at a running back, that jumps out to me a little bit. I'm going to go ahead and go with uh, Bryce Brown of the Buffalo Bills, and of course LaShawn McCoy probably be the starter there. If he, if he, or actually, you know what he's a little bit banged up, so Brown might even get the start there, and he, he might play deep into that game. Now you look at the carry distribution uh, in the in the Week One preseason game. I mean Buffalo put the ball on the ground 45 times, 45 rushing attempts in that game, and Carlos Williams he had 14 of them. But Carlos Williams is a little bit banged up and might not be able to. Uh, I almost definitely not playing tonight. Uh, I, I said I think Rex Ryan has him targeted for the first regular season game. So take Carlos Williams and his fourteen carries out of the mix and they gotta go somewhere and maybe they take it easy on Bryce Brown because he is uh I mean he's one of the uh le- or one of the only healthy guys they have left and they gotta conserve somebody for the regular season. But like I said, those he's still got six carries. Um, Led the team in rushing with 52 yards and a touchdown in the first game. And also was tied with the second most targets. He got three targets through the air. Ended up catching just two passes for five yards. But we saw what he can do in Philadelphia in previous seasons with just little flashes in the regular season. And I think uh, if I'm doing a DraftKings lineup, I'm putting together one kind of right now as we speak. My two backs are Bryce Brown and Amir Abdullah for tomorrow, just kind of based on week one and based on opportunity.
1: Yeah, I like that. And there's just not a ton to choose from. And thus, I almost wonder if if it's maybe a good good decision to fade Abdullah, uh, you know, and go with a guy like Theo Riddick with Joique Bell out. Maybe it's a guy like Riddick who, you know, I don't see a ton of talent there. But uh, you know, if we're talking about a PPR format, I think maybe he sees some catches. Maybe a you know. Upwards of 10 carries, even. And who's to
2: stop you from using them both? I'm, I'm yeah. thinking right now I might use Riddick as my flex just for that reason, maybe balance out my risk a little bit and hopefully get a big game from one of them.
1: Yeah. Now, moving on to wide receiver, a lot more appealing options here, but of course, you know, with just two games, not a ton to love. Anybody jump out to you here as a, as a solid play? I mean, at wide receiver, I
2: already kind of mentioned uh, Marquise Goodwin of the Bills is probably one of the better chances to come up. Uh, there, I'm not sure if Justin Gilbert's going to play for the Browns, but whoever is matched up with Justin Gilbert, if he does play, that's a matchup to target for sure. We saw how bad Pierre Garcon beat him, and he he pretty much he's gotten wrecked in practice and, and in that first preseason game. So I'd go ahead and target that matchup. Of course, not what the Browns wanted out of the uh, out of the first round draft pick number seven overall, I believe. But sticking in Cleveland, I I, I don't mean to keep talking Browns, but there is a guy maybe jumps out at me down the depth chart that's going to get a lot of work with Johnny Manziel. And he's someone with something to prove. And that is tight end EJ Bibbs. That might not be a name on the radar come regular season, but look at that tight end depth chart ahead of them. Rob Hausler, previously in Arizona, he was their big addition. Then they're looking at guys like Gary Barnage and Jim Dre. I mean, Coach Mike Patton knows what he's getting out of these types of guys. But EJ Bibbs, I mean, Three targets last week. Caught all three of them for 29 yards. He's been efficient. Uh, all the coaches have been able to do is praise him. So, as the late second, third, or second quarter, and then third quarter moves on, he might be someone that Johnny Manziel looks to in the red zone. And uh, in, in the lineup I put, uh, I put up here. You know, banking on Manziel having a big game. I've got uh, EJ Bibbs in it, along with Hartline, who also had a decent amount of targets uh, last mm-hmm. last week. It doesn't look like Dwayne Bow is going to play in this game. He's dealing with his own hamstring injury. I mean, how many times have we said a receiver's getting a hamstring injury? Happening all the time. But EJ Bibbs, 6'2, 258. Probably not a burner, but a big body and a safe body that uh, Manziel can get that football to. So, someone I'm going with, uh, but and someone whose ownership is probably going to be very low. So for me, it's a very high risk, high reward pick. Maybe stay away in the cash games, but if you're playing one of those one, two dollar big time tournaments, the upside's there.
1: Right, I'm really glad you mentioned Brian Hartline because I feel like as a possession guy like that, I think they'll, you know, Manziel will probably really rely on him. Short, mm-hmm. intermediate patterns. Uh, get getting the ball should get a lot of looks uh, there but uh, gonna be fun we got I think two more games tomorrow than eight on Saturday I believe so that'll be uh, you know a, a bigger slate more more options to choose from should be a lot of fun and uh, definitely gearing up for draft season really kind of crept mm-hmm. up on me but right around the corner. We're right we're right in here I want to thank you for listening to the rotowire fantasy football podcast powered by draftkings.com the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you deposit for a free contest entry today. Also, check out ROTOWIRE free for 10 days, but going to rotowire.com slash pod. Thank you again for listening. We'll be back with you on Friday.